Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uprise Radio and 3CR are recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging and recognise their unceded sovereignty. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies And I'm not proud of my address In a torn up town, no postcode envy But every song's like gold teeth, grey goose Dripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns Trash in the hotel room And that is, of course, Lord uh, with the track Royals from 2013. And the new Queen Bee, well, returning Queen Bee in New Zealand, is Jacinda Ardern. And we're going to be talking about her on the show today. So on Saturday, Jacinda Ardern won the election New Zealand, winning winning, uh, 64 seats so far from 120. I think there's still a little bit of the counting uh, still to go. Uh, but Jacinda Ardern, I think, you know, leads New Zealand in a way that, you know, most would call kind of so-called feminine characteristics, those of compassion and empathy. And I think, you know, these are traits that are all too often lacking from political leaders across the world. We're told that although these characteristics are great, you know, you need to be a strong, ruthless leader, particularly in a crisis. But we saw in the aftermath of both the Christchurch attack and during COVID-19 that Ardern's leadership was actually exactly what was needed. She calmly condemned the Christchurch terrorist and grieved with the New Zealand people. She showed that terror does not need to be met with more terror. And New Zealand went into a quick and hard lockdown in response to COVID-19. It was really decisive leadership, something that if we had that in Victoria or indeed Australia, we could have wiped out the coronavirus uh, quickly with a lockdown and moved into, uh, you know, moved forward as New Zealand has. So on Saturday, Ardern and the New Zealand Labor Party won a convincing election victory, giving them a mandate to lead a really progressive government, uh, something that, you know, we've seen... Uh, Labor in Australia, Labor in the UK and the Democrats with their um, potentially trying to have a progressive candidate in the US, try to lead with a progressive candidate and with progressive policies and either lose even getting to be the leader or to lose the election. But something different has happened in New Zealand. And we're going to look at that uh, in the show today. Look at how does this 
leadership style from Ardern get such a resounding victory? And I guess, you know, to look at the context of New Zealand and how can they be seen within the kind of global world that we live in. So thanks everyone for joining us and thank you, Jackson. Good to see you again. Yeah, uh, good song choice, James. You're quick to forget when someone like Lord, who, you know, came from suburban New Zealand and, you know, catapulted into frame, uh, into fame, but, you know, those humble beginnings are really well expressed in that song there and the kind of, you know, the distance between the lived experience of everyday people and the, you know, the hyper real that's presented in pop music. I think it's um, a really good reminder. And I think, you know, you touched on two really interesting things there, like the role that Jacinda Ardern's uh, femininity plays in her electability and her ability to communicate, you know, what you've rightfully described as a kind of compassionate and kind politics uh, and a progressive politics and, and have that message carry through. And also that she has been become a kind of cause celebre internationally, you know, like she, she is, you know, this darling of the progressive left, you know, I think, um, you know, for those interested in parliamentary politics on the left, you know, a Jacinda Ardern, Justin Trudeau before the scandals, you know, is like this perfect couple in, pe- in people's minds of, you know, these kind, youthful, you know, very photogenic, uh, easy on the eye um, people to bring this uh, progressive message that, that has, you know, you're right to say has been attempted particularly in the UK with Corbyn and, and in and the US with, with Sanders. But they were, you know, were old men, you know, and, and, I, and I think that that has uh, played to their detriment in the, in the message of hope and optimism that, that they're trying to carry. I think it's mm. also worth pointing out that Adern, you know, she has dealt very well with the uh, profound challenges that, that she's had since becoming Prime Minister and, and again, you know, before this election with COVID, the Christchurch attack, attack as you mentioned. But it's also worth pointing out that it's easy to admire Adern when your own leader is, say, a permanently deflating orange balloon or a wealthy clown or a used car salesman who fancies himself a lay preacher and thinks all major policy announcements should feature a rhyming brand name. Like when you have such poor examples of leadership, it's easy to kind of uh, put her on a pedestal. But, but I think, you know, her achievements... You know, while she hasn't galloped uh, into like a, a progressive utopia in New Zealand, I think her achievement should be noted. And you pointed out the key difference of having a swift and decisive lockdown. Also, you know, just the, the compassion and the kindness to not just bump uh, New Zealand's welfare rate while COVID was on, but to make it a permanent increase. You know, I think was 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 very good politics and 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 commendable politics. Though it must be said that twenty five dollars a week. Is not much of it. Is not much of an increase. Um, so you know, it has to be balanced there as well. But you know, she's made all the right noises during this election campaign. I remember being struck by a video that wandered into my Facebook feed, uh, where she said that you know we're gonna we're gonna tackle the recession that that we are now in. Just like a lot of the developed world, COVID has pushed New Zealand into in, they're officially in recession. And she said we're gonna tackle this recession by building social housing, uh, developing hospitals and schools keeping our high levels of, of welfare and wage subsidy and investing in clean energy. And that was it, you know, and I was like, wow, what a, what a fantastic plan. You know, I hope Anthony Albanese is, is taking notes, but I think, you know, you've always, you've got to actually look into the detail of what those, what those uh, plans look like. And I think, you know, so far, you know, perhaps because of the forced alliance, she, uh, she, 
Uh, she was forced to form a coalition government with Winston Peters, with New Zealand first in her last term. This term, they could, they could um, rule you know, from an outright majority or they could form a, a voluntary alliance with the Greens, which is quite fascinating from an Australian perspective as well because the, the commentary suggests that New Zealand is quite open to coalition governments and quite likes the balance that they create. Um, so she may, she is considering offering an unnecessary alliance to the Greens, but either way, whether they govern alone or they govern with the Greens, she certainly has a mandate uh, to push some more progressive uh, policies through, even in this time when a lot of countries are going to be trumpeting austerity. So Yeah, I think that it's, Usually that the New Zealand elections do end in a shared position of power. Uh, I think this is one of the most decisive victories that uh, in a New Zealand election for a very, very long time. And New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand Greens look like they may win 10 seats. So it's around 8% of the vote. Yeah, certainly the Greens have in New Zealand have mentioned the idea of sharing having, you know, forming a coalition with Labor. Uh, I strongly doubt that Labor will take that up considering how much of a decisive victory that they have and they will take that as a mandate, as you said, from the electorate to govern in the way that, you know, they see fit. I think there's a couple other things just to mention um, before. might just play a little clip um, that Ardern, from Ardern's um, election victory on the weekend. Uh, but I think it's, it's interesting to note as well on the election ballot were two other issues one was the legalization of recreational use of marijuana and the other was um, legalizing euthanasia so i think we'd actually we don't know the results of those yet because they make sure that they count through all of the um, electoral votes first um, and we should know perhaps it might be another week or so before we do know the results of that but i think both of those things are interesting as well because it, it's like, I think, you know, Jackson, you're right that it's not, certainly Ardern is not the leader of a revolution, revolutionary party for socialism or anything like that. So we are, you know, seeing her in the context of leading a Labour Party. So, but I think it's not just the current leaders that you mentioned that we have globally, but, you know, really it's the leaders in most of those countries for the past 30, 40 years. We haven't had a Labour leader in Australia that resembles anything like Jacinda Ardern. So while there's certainly criticisms to be made, and I think that if you were a New Zealand activist, you would be pushing for more reforms and certainly, you know, critiquing things of capitalism. It's only something we can dream of in Australia to have somebody who will do the bare minimum you would expect from a social democratic party. Let's just hear a little bit from Jacinda's uh, from the ABC uh, from Saturday night. In the end, it wasn't even close. Tonight, New Zealand has shown the Labour Party its greatest support in at least 50 years. More than the Prime Minister could have hoped for. We will not take your support for granted. And I can promise you... We will be a party that governs for every New Zealander. The opposition leader gracious in defeat. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who I have phoned before, uh, congratulations on your result because it is, a, I believe, an outstanding result for the Labour Party. Even if Crusher Collins was still displaying some of her trademark bluntness. And I say to everybody... 
we will be back. The result means it's possible Labour will be able to form majority government without a coalition partner, a first since proportional representation was introduced in the 1990s. As polls closed, journalists hungry for results were kept well-fed by Ardern's partner. We've had such a long run with everything, so there's sort of a, I guess, a sense of relief that we're, that we're at this place now. These voters were among the minority after almost two million New Zealanders took advantage of advance voting. Yeah, I was looking forward to voting today. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to wait because you don't know what's going to happen in those two weeks. In the end, they chose to give Ardern a second term, her victory never really in doubt. But it could all have been so different if COVID hadn't hit. Her go-hard, go-hourly mantra paid off. The virus more or less contained the party's ratings back on the rise. It wasn't, of course, the only crisis the Prime Minister had to manage. She won hearts and minds for her response to the Christchurch terrorist attacks and the Vakari White Island eruption. But she didn't deliver on many of her key domestic policy pledges. If that doesn't change, New Zealanders won't be so understanding next time around. Barbara Miller, ABC News. I think, yeah, there's certainly some interesting points there, which I think we covered some of before. But uh, it's interesting what would, uh, as probably one of the few elections we're going to see where, you know, the coronavirus is is pretty much not really, you know, not a present issue. You know, it's been eradicated there. So, it, you know, it's something obviously Donald Trump would love to have uh in America, where they're getting, you know, still 60 to 80,000 cases per day. It's a very different climate for the other um, elections. Um, you had some, wanted to discuss something about um, Ardern's wage cut or, you know, taking a pay cut. Yeah, I think the, thank you to the ABC for the audio there as well. Um, but I think they mentioned there that while Ardern has been, you know, a star, you know, in a in a uh, as a, as a federal leader, as as someone positioning New Zealand on the global stage, uh, particularly around the White Island catastrophe and Christchurch and just the way she carries herself generally, there is some dissatisfaction at home uh, with her inability to, to 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 follow through on some of her pledges. And I and there was a there was a quote in the Guardian from a, a migrant worker activist based in Auckland called Anu Kolodi, who said that she felt that Adern had been much better at kind of massaging her own brand for a global audience rather than delivering for everyday New Zealanders thus far. You know, and I, and I think we have to acknowledge the curtails of her plans that uh, Winston Peters and stuff would have had. But I think the pay cut is, is, a, is a really good example of what um, Anu Kolodi meant, you know, because it's, it's, it's great um, public relations to say, you know, it's a really trying time for New Zealand workers due to COVID. A lot of people are out of a job. A lot of people have lost income. So I and my fellow ministers, we're going to take a pay cut. Uh, and the pay cut they announced was 20% for Jacinta Ardern and 10% for all of her ministers. And I think as well, 10% for all like high level uh, government departmental heads, like the head of the Department of Health and things like this. So what that meant for Jacinda is, you know, it's not nothing. It's going from $470,000 a year down to $424,000 a year. But I think the part that bugs me 
is that it was only for six months. You know, she said, I'm, it's, it really is just a gesture. It's just saying, I'm going to drop my pay, my significant pay packet. I'm going to drop it by this amount, but only for half a year, you know, not for a full year, not ongoing. And what she said at the time was, was that this is, this is a gesture of solidarity. You know, this doesn't have any impact on New Zealand's bottom line. And I would think that at a time of crisis, when there are a lot of expenses and a lot of needy people, what would be wrong with, you know, a more permanent restructuring of wages for, for uh, members of parliament and for the executive branch of government? Like, what would be wrong with saying, we're all going to take a 25% K cut and we're going to make it law, at least for the next 10 years. And with that money, with what we save, we're actually going to invest that money in services. You know, what would be wrong with a more permanent cut? And I think it's worth saying that at the time, you know, some of the biggest and currently some of the biggest employers in New Zealand, you know, um, people like, <clears throat> I think it's Fletcher Building, which is one of the biggest construction companies in the country, uh, companies like Air New Zealand had been, you know, forcing eight, up to 80% pay cuts onto their workers while at the same time, taking wage subsidy allowances from the federal government to the tune of, you know, Air New Zealand, I think, took $900 million from the, from the New Zealand government and then laid off thousands of workers, you know, and you've got, you've got the major unions in New Zealand trying to get 20% pay cuts, you know, broadly across industries, you know, accepting that and advising their workers to take those 20 cent pay cuts. Those 20 cent pay cuts, they're not for six months, you know, they are ongoing because that's the way business operates, you know, until the the picture is more rosy for them to... Continue. I think, yeah, I mean, I can understand the issue with this, but to me, it just strikes the thing of just trying to find problems where there aren't problems. And I think, you know, in the same time during COVID, the Australian politicians, including Prime Minister Morrison, have given themselves a massive pay rise. So, yes, we're going to compare to what, you know, to leadership we've got, as you said at the start of the show, but how would we not do that? You know, that, what else are we going to do? We, we have to compare what is happening to not nothing or not to utopia. We need to compare to what's happening globally. And I think that, you know, the contrasting issue is that you've got a leader who's willing to, whether it may be just as a um, token of goodwill to the public to say, I understand, I sympathise with what's going, I'm going, what's going on, I'm going to take a pay cut for a period of time, as opposed to our Prime Minister, who just wants to give himself a pay rise during this time and say that people earning over $180,000 are not wealthy. I mean, I think that it just shows even from, you know, a um, superficial kind of level how out of touch our politicians are compared to New Zealand. And I just want to I think that, you know, it's, it is interesting. There are two things here. I think, you know, one is looking at the politician who is giving themselves an international kind of perspective and, you know, how does that reflect on the domestic front? Um, you know, be it in a real sense, are you able to get those same domestic policies done? And I, I guess just from, you know, what people's view of that, and I think we saw that in Australia during when Kevin Rudd was Prime Minister, particularly at the time that when he was at the climate summit and he was, you know, really championing, championing Australia on an international level. But, you know, really he wanted to get the uh, climate policy through. Um, you know, we can argue about the merits of that and, you know, how effective that was. But he was really criticised as well for putting himself on the international sphere 
and probably cost him um, the leadership position because he wasn't, uh, you know, quote unquote, at home sort of. So it's a really difficult situation, I think, because on the one hand, it is an international position. It's what you are meant to be the leader of your nation on the global, on the global stage. And really the other politicians, the government, is still at home. You know, you elect your local member to do things in the local area and the leader, you know, is really, and the kind of front bench should be taking an international perspective of those things. So I think that that's an interesting point. And I guess that just to frame the other issue, I think is interesting. New Zealand kind of leading the way in some of these things we're talking about, you know, be that just as a leadership style in some of the things that you know, Ardern has uh, actually done in her time, uh, you know, really looking at, you know, issues in a positive way. Mm. What kind of impact, I wonder, can New Zealand as, you know, very small population, small economy, what does, you know, how is that looked at in a global perspective? You know, can you, can you affect change from that kind of position when you are a smaller nation? You know, what, what role does that have in the kind of bigger global sphere? Can that encourage, you know, the UK, Germany, France, America? Can it encourage kind of a different style of leadership in those ways? I mean, I'm not saying we can necessarily answer that, but I think it's yes. a, it's yeah, a question think, to kind of ponder. I think, the, I think, you know, in a short answer, yes. Like I know that perhaps this isn't uh, a happy story of, of, of uh, David leading Goliath, but Certainly, um, Paul Keating had a major impact on the way Tony Blair and Gordon Brown uh, led the Labor Party in the UK some years later. You know, I think that um, I know that they toured Australia uh, when they were young, up-and-coming politicians, and were quite inspired by Keating's approach. You know, kind of balancing broad social programs like Medicare against some trade-offs. You know, around collective bargaining and you know some weakening of the unions. You know, I think that New Labor took a lot from that. I think it's all about the level of success. Like she has delivered a landslide victory and there are, you know, maybe unreplicatable parts of her journey to, to, to that win, you know, like COVID and, and the Christchurch attack and her response to those things. But I think your, your early point about a feminine touch is, is interesting. And, you know, in, in terms of domestically, she has delivered, you know, paid parental leave schemes. She has delivered uh, increases in childcare subsidies and, you know, uh, things that are designed to allow more female participation in the workforce. And, you know, she did have a child, you know, while she was um, prime minister of the country and, you know, did that with a lot of grace and and nous, you know, like kind of put pay to a lot of the sexist crap that associates women, you know, taking positions of power when they have other family, you know, rearing responsibilities. And I, you know, I think all of that has shone through really well. Um, But I think, you know, they run into this, she's run into some of the same, I, I just find it interesting, you know, I don't want to harp on on this. I and I agree with you that, you know, you shouldn't let best be the enemy of good. Like, it's good that she had a gesture of solidarity by taking a pay cut. I just think it could have been better. But you look in other spaces where it's not her wage or the wage of her colleagues that have been um, considered. And she she's willing to be extremely optimistic, extremely pie in the sky. Like she suggested that she would eradicate child poverty in the country, you know, in a, in a flashback to Bob Hawke. She, she suggested that she uh, will, that they, they wanted to build a hundred thousand affordable houses in, in 10 years, you know, that in 2018, they, they launched this Kiwi build program. 
And after the first year, they built 250, you know, of, of, of supposedly 100,000 in 10 years. And they built them in places where no one wanted to live, where no one could even afford to live and ended up having to kind of buy them back from the scheme at a loss. Now they have these empty houses, you know, it's just a, ter- a beautifully conceived, but then terribly managed uh, process, you know, and they've pivoted now to, you know, possibly, you know, less glamorous, you know, less inspiring. We're going to build 100,000 new homes, but they're going to, they're going to make it like, you know, home ownership through rent to buy schemes or shared equity, whereby the government takes on a lot of the risk, you know, models whereby low income people can move slowly towards home ownership at a level that's more commensurate with the rent they're able to pay now, rather than kind of building all these houses all over the country and thinking that suddenly working families are going to be able to get mortgages in the current economic thing, you know, so I think less sexy, but it it might be more effective in the long term. New Zealand is Mm. the most one of the most expensive places to buy a house in the, in the world uh, and continues to be to, to today. One of the things that was really interesting is the way that the Murdoch press has presented the election victory with a really, you know, calling Ardern um, uh, irresponsible and, you know, her leadership, um, well, well, really questioning her leadership and her leadership style. And obviously by um, extension, it, questioning the New Zealand people because of such a huge victory. You can't, clearly that is not the view of New Zealand people. And on contrastingly, they are, you know, doing the same thing um, to Joe Biden and really supporting Donald Trump um, over the last little while, despite Rupert Murdoch himself believing that Joe Biden is going to win. It really continues the influence of Murdoch in trying to influence, I'd say in this regard, not um, necessarily New Zealand people, but Australian people um, might just go to one more little clip here. And this is Ardern speaking about the Christchurch attack. And I think it is really interesting here the way that um, she talks about what happened. Assalamu alaikum. On a quiet Friday afternoon, a man stormed into a place of peaceful worship and took away the lives of 50 people. That quiet Friday afternoon has become our darkest of days. Mr. Speaker, there is one person at the centre of this terror attack against our Muslim community in New Zealand. A 28-year-old man, an Australian citizen, has been charged with one count of murder. Other charges will follow. He will face the full force of the law in New Zealand. The families of the fallen will have justice. He sought many things from his act of terror, but one was notoriety. And that is why you will never hear me mention his name. He is a terrorist. He is a criminal. He is an extremist. But he will, when I speak, be nameless. And to others, I implore you, speak the names of those who were lost rather than the name of the man who took them. He may have sought notoriety, but we in New Zealand will give him nothing. I think that's a really interesting um, position that Ardern took. Uh, I think that the empathy and compassion that she showed uh, immediately and throughout, including up till recently with the trial, it is genuine. And I think that while there may be some criticisms about, you know, what her government, I think, you know, we need, that's not just her, but that's her 
her government, the party, and like you said before, particularly in the past who she was in government with, might be able to achieve. I think something that is a really striking thing that people want is that it is a honesty, it's genuineness, that the reason she's able to, um, you know, get through different things, even the thing like you mentioned before, Jackson, about her um being able to handle having a baby and all the criticism and comments that came with that was because she talked about it and went through it in a genuine kind of way. So I think there's a genuineness, a realness to her leadership style, which is something that, um, you know, people can relate to and people want. I agree. And I I think, um, you know, the worst thing about politics in the modern age is the deferral of blame, the deferral of responsibility, the, the constant pre-meditation of language to make sure you never get caught out making a statement of fact or a statement of intention you know and i think something you've touched on both in the aftermath of christchurch in the during covid right now after this huge election victory you know she she comes to a a definite approachable and appearingly honest position quite quickly and what that suggests Mm. to me is that it is genuine it is her natural response you know that she is naturally compassionate and caring for you know as as any sane person should be after you know the events that she has guided the country through but it is really refreshing you know and and i hope that it inspires other politicians to to be more like that um yeah, I think it, it, I've been I've been looking for you know temperance to the uh, Jacinda mania that is gripping you know parts of the progressive media at the moment because I think you know we, we need to continue to look to look to the detail uh, of what she plans to do. But yeah, I think she's a really impressive um, leader. Final thing to say: we had a, a listener send a gift in actually this week to three CR. Um, so I want to say thank you to Josh Sankey of Flemington. A lovely guy. He's also the AEU rep at my um, at my school, and he, he sent in a, a graphic biography of Eugene Debs, the famous oh, nice. uh, American socialist. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.